This episode is brought to you by Traveling Psychology Girl, where we declutter and organize your mind, home, and office. With Traveling Psychology Girl, it offers more services than just regular decluttering and organizing your home, but it offers services as in tutoring, garden prep, homestead startup, and overall just helping you balance your life and your mind. Visit www.travelingpsychologygirl.com for more details. This morning, I am drinking my coffee. It's really good because I'm not going outside today because it's cold. It's freezing. It's actually... Well, maybe I shouldn't say freezing because that's probably offensive to people that live up north. But it's around 45 degrees today. So it's very cold. And it's cold for a reason. Um, I'm recording this podcast on a Friday. It releases on Monday when you get it. On Wednesday night, we got an email from my kid's school. And a notification from the other local schools in the area that we would be home due to inclement weather. Normally when I hear inclement weather, I think, okay, it's going to snow. But I knew it wasn't going to snow. So um, then my dad starts texting me and everybody's contacting me about what's going on here. And so it turns out that the city shut down because of the possibility of severe storms um, that would produce tornadoes. And I thought that it was kind of interesting because I actually had tornadoes written down. I had literally wrote down tornadoes a few days ago before this announcement. I wrote it down as something to talk about because of the season that we are in. We are pretty much in spring and from where I'm from Dallas Texas it is tornado season entering tornado season and so I I find that a lot of things that I want to talk about in this podcast for this season are elements and that was not on purpose Um, It was kind of by accident, but I was looking through the list of things that I'm going to talk about this season, and I noticed quite of them are elements. Um, I've already talked about creation, but I talked about rain, I'm going to be talking about tornadoes, and be a couple of other elements like fire and wind that I'm going to be discussing later on in the podcast. May not be directly in order because I want to touch on some other things that I'm seeing around the yard, but... These are definitely things that I want to discuss because they have also played a role in what's going on in the yard, but also what's going on everywhere else within the neighborhood. And tornadoes is very interesting because they can affect someone's backyard. Um, I know firsthand, at least from dealing with Hurricane Zeta, I just, when I found out the news about possible tornadoes, 
<clears throat> and I keep a radar and I kind of can tell like, you know, if, if it's going to be like a high likely chance that we're going to, you know, be affected here in Georgia, w the city that I'm living in at the time and, uh, what, what kind of tornado possibly would affect us, um, if we even have one, <clears throat> I'm so sorry that I have to keep clearing my throat, but there's, um, I just pay attention to that. So, um, when I heard this, um, I immediately began to sort of think about the Hurricane Zeta and, and how the tree fell over in our yard and, and, you know, sometimes when you've experienced things like that, it can kind of cause a little bit of fear to enter in, enter your mind. And so I quickly began to pray um, because I didn't like how I was feeling. And so um, around midnight when the storm actually hit, I could hear the thunder. It was very loud. Um, I just began to pray. It woke me up out of my sleep and I just said, Father God, I trust you and I trust that our lives, our house, cars, and property is in your hands. I'm going to close my eyes and I'm going to rest and I'm going to sleep and I'm going to do it peacefully. And that is what I did. I fell right back to sleep and I was knocked out. And um, when I woke up, nothing had happened, at least not where I am. Unfortunately, tornadoes did affect other areas. Um, but uh, we were not affected. And that's not to um, sort of put down on other people because we have been affected by storms, obviously. And um, it's not a fun thing. And so... I'm going to talk about tornadoes today and tornadoes form when warm, humid air collides with cold, dry air. Now I'm going to do a little bit of reading on tornadoes, but I'm also going to talk about my personal experiences being that I grew up in Tornado Alley. Okay. But tornadoes form when warm, humid air collides with cold and dry air. The denser cold air is pushed over the warm air, usually producing thunderstorms. The warm air rises through the colder air and causes an updraft. The updraft would begin to rotate if winds vary sharply in speed or direction. Okay, um, that's just me Googling it. But I'm going to do some reading from Earth Science. Um, and it's called, uh, it's, it's through Earth Science, but it's Ducksters.com. And I'm just going to read, I'm not going to read a whole lot of this, but I do want to read a little bit of it. Um, let's see. Talked about how they form. I'm going to talk about the types of tornadoes, okay? Take another sip of my coffee here. And that will also help keep my throat a little bit clear. <clears throat> okay. So there are, there's something called the Enhanced Fuji, uh, well, I know I said that wrong, um, Fujita scale. I know I'm probably saying that wrong, 
but it's the EF scale. So when you hear someone talk about tornadoes, you say, oh, it was an EF1, it was an EF2. This is determined based on the wind speed of a tornado. So if a tornado is going just 65 miles to 85 miles per hour, it's really considered an EF0. It's a weak tornado. An EF1 would be 86 to 110 miles per hour. An EF2, 111 to 135 miles per hour. A EF3, 136 to 165 miles per hour. A EF4, 166 to 200 miles per hour. And an EF5, over 200 miles per hour. An EF4 and an EF5 are very violent, okay, tornadoes, obviously. Anything going that fast is violent. You can have somebody driving in a car going just 100 miles per hour is violent. So just um, only imagine a tornado going twice that speed. Um, they can form mostly anywhere, but most of the tornadoes in the United States occur in the area called Tornado Alley. Tornado Alley stretches from northern Texas to South Dakota, from the Missouri to the Rocky Mountains. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit in a minute. Um, some interesting facts about tornadoes, they can be called twisters, cyclones, and funnels. Uh, oftentimes you would hear someone say, oh, it's a funnel cloud. Well, that's a tornado that's formed from a cloud, but it hasn't touched down on the ground. The vortex is when that wind comes down on the ground and that's officially called a tornado, okay? Cyclones, it's really a tornado, but it's, it's like it, the tornado goes, it spins in the opposite direction, but it's still a tornado. Now, this thing, this website had an interesting thing that I wanted to talk about, and it was the types of tornadoes. I think I said this. So, yeah. So, we have a supercell. Now, I'm going to save that for last because I'm going to tie that into um, <clears throat> where tornadoes occur. I'm going to talk about that a little bit. But we have water sprout. <clears throat> and I think I mentioned water sprout on the previous podcast. A water sprout forms over the water. They usually dissipate when they hit land. So that's a tornado over water, usually over the ocean, sometimes over lakes, things like that. But they go away as soon as they hit the land. A land sprout is similar to a water sprout, but on land. So it is weak and is not associated with a vortex of air from a thunderstorm. A gustnado, I see these things all the time. They just, they are so funny to watch. Um, gustnados are small tornado formed at a weather front by gust of wind. Sometimes these things can be kind of, they're not violent, but sometimes they can be, you know, kind of scary if they get kind of big. But I've seen gustnados all the time. I've literally been a few feet from them, always in my car, fortunately, because you don't want dust slapping you in the face but these are you know they're they're not um, dangerous they're not gonna pick you up and you know throw your body somewhere it's literally dust in the form of a tornado moving across the land I saw this almost always when I lived in Oklahoma <clears throat> multiple vortex this is one of the ones I really don't like a tornado with more than one spinning tube of air and normally if you see 
um, multiple vortex tornado. They're very dangerous when they come together. Um, if you see two tornadoes, um, usually in a supercell, which I'm going to talk about that in a minute, but if you see two tornadoes, um, you know, a few feet apart or, you know, I don't know, <clears throat> a few feet apart, um, like maybe one on one side of the road, one on the other, one is usually going to be strong and the other one's going to be weak. The one that's weak is going to disappear or... Um, if they're close enough, then they can kind of spin and collide together. Now, in the movie, The Day After Tomorrow, this movie is not really realistic, okay, um, as to how storms produce. <clears throat> no storm is going to produce that fast um, and just, like, affect the entire world at one time. If that does happen, I would say that that's supernatural. That's not natural because even with climate change and um, things happening on the earth, nothing is going to cause an ice age overnight. <laughs> that's just not going to happen. So the movie is really not realistic. But the scene where all of the tornadoes were in L.A. and um, they sort of came together that idea of them coming together would be a multiple vortex, okay? All right, so now I want to talk about <clears throat> the supercell. And again, I'm so sorry for having to clear my throat. Um, the weather here, you have to understand in Georgia, in Georgia it's typically very warm, which is going to tie into what I'm talking about here, but it's very warm. And so what we've been having is like kind of what I'm talking about with the crazy weather. We have like 79 degrees one day and then the next day it is literally 40 degrees with cold wind and then rain. Um, and this has been happening and it's like I'm not sick. I feel fine, but I'm having to clear my throat a lot. Um, because I've, I'm outside trying to get some things done when it's warm. And oh my gosh, the pollen here is off the chain. Um, I actually put pond, uh, I put water in our pond for the first time this season. And the next day, I couldn't even see the bottom. It was yellow. It's completely yellow. So I'm dealing with all kinds of elements here, y'all. I'm <laughs> just dealing with a lot of stuff. So just bear with me. But a supercell, I want to talk about a supercell. A supercell is a large, long-lived thunderstorm. It can, it can produce some of the largest and most violent tornadoes. This is what I want to really focus on from this site because um, when I lived in Oklahoma, I really had to learn about supercells. I grew up in Texas. But I didn't really, I mean, you know, I was in Dallas, we had tornadoes, but very rarely did we have any hit the city. And so um, it just, you just didn't, there were supercells, but just really didn't know a whole lot about them because just, it seems that um, we would always ask this question like, well, why does tornadoes always, always hit, you know, just land? There was like out on the outskirts. And that's because the earth was mostly made up of land but now you're starting to see more violent tornadoes hit cities and that's kind of because we're 
partly because we're rebuilding, we're, we're building all the time now. But then also, some of it is climate change, um, global warming and things like that. But with the super sales, because in Oklahoma, there's just a lot of land, you can see very well what's going on. And this doesn't just affect people's backyards, but it affects their front yards, it affects their their neighborhoods, their cities, their environment, it just affects everywhere. So these, you know, small towns, and I was in a small town in Oklahoma, and so um, we didn't have an, a tornado hit my city, but we would have tornadoes hit the city right next door to us. And so it would always come, almost always come from a supercell. So I've explained to you what a supercell looks like. Okay, well, pretty much I, I didn't explain what it looks like, but I said it's a supercell is a large, long-lived thunderstorm. But let me tell you what that looks like from experience. A supercell is a lot of clouds that come together. And it's it's like if you're looking out in the distance, you see all of these cumulus, whatever clouds that they're called. And it looks almost like, um, gosh, what is it? A tunnel, like, like not a tunnel, a funnel. If you use a funnel to um, like pour things in, if like you're making tea or something and you want to put sugar in, you don't want to spill it, use a funnel. It almost looks like a funnel. It kind of has a wall, like the top is just like, it looks like a big base, like a big top flat, it's flattened. And then it comes down toward the earth and it kind of looks like a funnel, but it doesn't, it doesn't squeeze in really tight. It's just, I'm, I'm like, I'm looking, I see it in my mind. I'm trying to explain it. Um, but it, um, it comes down, um, like a funnel, but it's not like super skinny. It's, it's really big. That's the best way I can explain it by, you know, um, looking at it, but you can Google it. You can Google, um, my dog is like scratching on the door. You can Google what a supercell looks like and it'll show you what it looks like. Come on in Ariel. <laughs> okay. So <clears throat> that's a supercell. And when you have a supercell, from that supercell is the storm and that storm is traveling and what usually happens before a tornado hits is that you will get hail and hail would be underneath that storm system and then right after the hail comes a tornado and any if you ever watch storm chasers <clears throat> the movie Twister is actually more correct than The Day After Tomorrow. If you've ever watched the movie Twister, that is right on point. Okay, so they were chasing these tornadoes based on these supercells. If you if you ever watch Storm Chasers, they're not just looking at, oh, today looks like it just might be a tornado day. No, they are chasing a supercell. It is a whole storm system that they are looking at there. You know, it doesn't have to be a supercell for a tornado to form, but this is what, if you want to see a tornado, you're going to follow that supercell. I never will forget um, when we were living in Oklahoma, um, 
we had came to visit here in Georgia. We came to visit Georgia, um, Atlanta for summer vacation. It was so pretty. We drove and so we're taking a road trip and it was so beautiful going to Georgia and it was beautiful going back until we hit Oklahoma. And I, of course, I had my radar. So I knew that there was a storm in front of us and there was a storm behind us. And I knew that at some point, <clears throat> the storm behind us would catch up to us. And so, um, sure enough, it did, but we still were far enough ahead of it to, to get out of it. And right when we got to Oklahoma City, we were on the freeway. And I think the freeway is like 44, if I'm not mistaken. But we were on the freeway and we could see all of the storm chasers going in the opposite direction, which they were going for the supercell that was behind us, that was catching up to us, but we were still in front of it. And it was the scariest things because it looked like, it literally looked like the clouds above us because the storm behind us is catching up to us. It's like those movies where the person's running and the big uh, dust storm is right behind them and then finally it engulfs them, but then they break out of it. It was just like that. But um, it it literally looked like a funnel cloud was just going to drop down on top of us. But we finally made it out of Oklahoma City and we made it to the to Lawton, which is where we were living. And so um, that was just a scariest experience. And I've had a few cl close calls like that, but, but that was just uh, the most scariest. And if you're trying to get away from a tornado, the best thing to actually do is to look for storm chasers because then you know whatever <laughs> direction the storm chaser is going, <clears throat> you need to be going in the opposite direction. <coughs> Excuse me. So that's what we did. We were booking it, okay? We were booking it. So the interesting thing about Oklahoma City, if you follow these storms during tornado season in Tornado Alley, the reason why, and I'm not reading from anything right now because I'm talking to you based on my experience and my knowledge of living in um, Tornado Alley. When you, the reason why Oklahoma City and Kansas get hit so hard, okay? You remember the Wizard of Oz? I'm not in Kansas anymore. The reason why Oklahoma City and Kansas, I believe, gets hit so hard if you ever look at the forecasters when they're explaining to you how a tornado is formed in Tornado Alley. In Tornado Alley, you have, it's called that because you have that warm air that's coming off of the Gulf of Mexico. And then that it's going right, it's traveling right through Texas and Oklahoma and Kansas and all the way up to the to Dakotas. And... Then you have that cold air that's coming from the east, if I'm saying this correctly. And that cold air runs into that warm air. And that's where you get that updraft and that, that rotation. And that's why the tornadoes hit Tornado Alley, because right during that season, you got that warm air coming off the, the, the uh, Gulf of Mexico, and then you got that collision with that cold air. And 
it seems like if you really if you're if you're watching the news when they're explaining this and like if you're watching um storm chasers anything where they're talking about how tornadoes form in tornado alley with they don't really say this but if you watch if you pay close attention to where it collides where the cold air meets the warm air it seems like it touches right above Oklahoma City and Kansas now granted it's that whole two right it's that whole alley that whole alley is getting it but it seems like it really like the the middle part is where it's the most dangerous like it just like it just collides hard right there and so Oklahoma City and um, Kansas they just get hit hit back to back back to back back. they get hit so hard and so it probably won't make sense to you and until you actually watch it and then pay attention to what I'm telling you to pay attention to and then they get hit so darn hard um and actually the cold I said the cold air runs the cold air is coming from well it's obviously coming from the north but I thought it was coming from northeast it looks like it's coming from northwest so it's coming from the Washington area and then it but I did say the uh, warm air coming from the Gulf of Mexico that's correct so that that warm air runs into that cold air that's right up there in Washington so it's running into that air then you have a jet stream that's also coming through California up to Colorado that's hitting that as well. And so that's a dangerous situation when you got the jet stream, you got the cold air, you got the warm air. And it's even warmer air that's coming from where like El Paso is, like right into new mexico that 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 air is warm so you got warm air from the gulf warm air coming from there cold air coming from the washington area the jet stream coming down through california up to colorado you got a dangerous situation y'all so that is why tornado alley is called that because right there and that little section is where it gets hit hard but as i've said Oklahoma City and Kansas, man, they're right smack in the middle. If you look on a map, they're right there in the middle. Oklahoma City into Kansas is right there in the middle. And that those two states get hit the hardest, the hardest, okay? It's like they have the worst. They they have the F4s and the F5s. It's just it's just bad. But so that's just something to note with tornadoes. Um, of course, if you get, if the national, um, service issues a warning, um, a tornado, let me talk about a watch first. A tornado watch is the weather conditions are in the right place to produce a tornado, but it may not, but just be on the lookout, right? Just be on the lookout for one. So, um, I have found that if you step outside and the atmosphere kind of looks green or yellowish, be on the lookout, okay? You've ever walked outside? If you live in these areas and it kind of looks green, it kind of looks, or not orange, but yellowish, 
those are typically kind of signs to kind of be look on the lookout. But the National Weather Service will issue a watch. If the service, though, issues a warning, you better go for cover because that means one has been sighted, one is on the ground. It can be by radar or by someone actually seeing it. It used to be that back in the day when I was growing up, if, if somebody's called and say, hey, they called it in, hey, it's a tornado up south, uh, 75, I-75 going north, then you knew that, okay, we have to put this out. You know, it's a warning. Um, so that's important to note. Unlike hurricanes, um, I think hurricanes last longer. Tornadoes are short, but even when they're, they're on the ground for a long time, when it hits you, it's short. It's like a few seconds of terror, okay? And then when it's over, it's like a peace. It's a calm. Um, on Twister and on um, the day after tomorrow, if you noticed, uh, uh, particularly on the day after tomorrow when the tornadoes hit this the big building that the news station was in, it tore off part of the building. And when the guy opened the door, and he just could have stepped out and he would have fell to his death. But when he opened the door... You didn't hear anything, but when you looked, the tornado had passed by. You could see the tornado moving, but you didn't hear anything, and it's because they leave this peace. And a lot of times, that saying that you hear, the calm before the storm, another thing about being in Tornado Alley is it's always eerily, okay, I don't even know if that's a word, eerily, it's just quiet, it's like so peaceful outside. She's so green and yellow and quiet. And that's kind of a sign to, hmm, I might want to be on the lookout because this may mean something about to pop off. And then, so you need to go, you know, run for cover. But with hurricanes, you know in advance, you, you know far in advance that a hurricane is coming. You can prepare for a hurricane. You have days, sometimes even weeks to prepare for a hurricane. A lot of times, you know, the, the weather person will tell you, oh, okay, it's way out far in, in the Atlantic. I remember um, we were going to um, Panama City for the first time and we were spending um you know a couple of days in there as a summer vacation and um I'd never been to Panama City before and I had heard something about a hurricane coming and so I called um you know their uh what is it there I forget the the name of it it's like the welcome center I think it was and I remember asking her, the lady there, I was like, okay, we want to take a, a, you know, a few days to come to Panama City and enjoy ourselves for a little vacation. But I heard something about a hurricane. So like, what's up? And I remember she was like, oh, no, come on and have a good time. She said it might rain because it does that here, but it goes away and it's sunny again. That's normal weather here. She said it is a hurricane, but right now it's so far out in the ocean. That's not coming for weeks. And I was like, really? And I was just really blown away that we could go. We could plan to go be somewhere knowing a hurricane is coming and still know that we'll be fine. And so with hurricanes, you can plan out. But with a tornado, there is no warning. You cannot plan for a tornado to hit. It just, when it hits, it hits in, the, in a split second and you just really don't have enough time. So those watches are great because those watches, 
you know, they, they kind of let you know it's a possibility something may jump off. But you st- when it hits, you, you still may not have a warning unless you see a super sale. For me, I'm always going to look for the super sale. Now, I'm in Georgia. We don't really have super sales. I don't really see them here where I am. Now, they may be out in the outskirts because, it's you know, it's country land. You can see it more. But where I live, I'm not going to see a super sale. So I have to really play off instincts on the coloring of the atmosphere and really watching the clouds and what the clouds are doing. Do I see rotation in the clouds? Do I see really, really, really dark clouds? Are they really, really, really gray? But in Tornado Alley, I can look for a supercell almost always. I don't have to pay attention to just the clouds. It's really not a tornado going to really touch down unless it's a supercell. That's where we really get our tornadoes from. So I'm going to be looking for a supercell flat out. If that supercell is moving north, I'm going south. If it's moving east, I'm going west. But when it strikes, it's not always that simple just to go in the opposite direction. Sometimes it's coming in your direction and you don't have anywhere to go. And it may hit, it may not. You just have to be on the lookout. So you kind of know that, hey, today is a high potential day for a tornado. But when it touches down, you don't know where that booger's going. You don't know. So you don't always have time to prepare. And then sometimes the weather looks fine. And this is the dangers of being in an area where tornadoes hit a lot is sometimes it looks, it's a beautiful day. It's a beautiful, sunshiny day. The kids are playing, the carnival's going on, and you just have no idea that something dangerous is lurking in the atmosphere. And on that note, that reminds me of a war that went on many years ago where something like this happened. It was a regular day. And then boom, a tornado hits with no warning. It is the war of 1812. If you go to historical uh, digression.com, it tells you about a tornado saves Washington during the war of 1812. It tells you about this story. And I'm not going to go deep, deep in this story, but there is a part that I want to read to you. So let me find it. All right, so again, I'm not going to go into great detail, but this is the war that was going on uh, during this time here on our American soil. So the next day, August 25th, as fire still raged, a massive storm hit Washington. The driving rain put out most of the fires threatening the city. Perhaps more important, the invading British were so battered and demoralized, the storm played a large role in the decision to cut short the occupation of Washington. The storm was so fierce that it tore buildings apart, literally lifting them off their foundations. The winds uprooted trees and knocked men to the ground. A number of houses collapsed, killing the British soldiers taking shelter therein. One British officer reported seeing cannons lifted off the ground and thrown through the air. Red coats out of the streets of Washington trying to enforce a curfew were forced to lie prostrate in the mud. 
based on the first-hand accounts whether historians generally agree that the storm that struck Washington on August 25, 1814 sparked one or more tornadoes. I can possibly, I can't possibly imagine being one of those soldiers completely exposed with no choice but to cling to Mother Earth in the midst of a tornado. As the storm began to subside, one of the British officers in command of the invasion emerged from his shelter and said to one of the inhabitants of Washington, Great God, Madam! Is this the kind of storm of which you are accustomed in this infer infernal country? She responded, No, sir. This is a special interposition of providence to drive our enemies from the city. <laughs> so I'm not going to read any more, but as you can see, it was a tornado. <laughs> so when I come back, I'm going to talk about a particular biblical character that also had an encounter with a tornado. In 2 Kings chapter 2, I'm going to talk about a particular character who had an encounter with a tornado. Now there's much, much more to the story. But being that we're talking about elements and things that go on typically in my backyard, but in somebody's backyard, we're going to focus in on the particular weather system that happened in this biblical story. So in 2 Kings chapter 2, I'm going to start in verse, let's see, verse 1. And I'm coming from the easy to read version. It was near the time for the Lord to take Elijah by a whirlwind up into heaven. Elijah and Elisha started to leave Gilead or Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, Elisha, I'm sorry, please stay here because the Lord told me to go to Bethel. But Elisha said, I promise as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two men went down to Bethel. The group of prophets at Bethel came to Elisha and said to him, do you know that the Lord will take your master away from you today? This is crazy. Elisha said, yes, I know. Don't talk about it. Elijah said to Elisha, please stay here because the Lord told me to go to Jericho. Yeah, I ain't going somewhere else. But Elisha said, I promise as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two men went to Jericho. The group of prophets at Jericho came to Elisha and said to him, do you know that the Lord will take your master away from you today? <laughs> See a pattern here? Elisha answered, yes, I know. Don't talk about it. Elijah and Elisha, please stay here because the Lord told me to go to the Jordan River. Elisha answered, I promise as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two men went on. 
verse 7. There were 50 men from the group of prophets who followed them. Elijah and Elisha stopped at the Jordan River. The 50 men stood far away from Elijah and Elisha. Elijah took off his coat, folded it, and hit the water with it. The water separated to the right and to the left. Then Elijah and Elisha crossed the river on dry ground. After they crossed the river, Elijah said to Elisha, What do you want me to do for you before God takes me away from you? Elisha said, I ask you for a double share of your spirit on me. Elijah said, this is where you get a double portion. This is what it's talking about. Elijah said, you have asked a hard thing. If you see me when I am taken from you, it will happen. But if you don't see me when I'm taken from you, it will not happen. Verse 11. Elijah and Elisha were walking and talking together. Suddenly some horses and chariot came and separated Elijah from Elisha. The horses and the chariot were like fire. Then Elijah was carried up into heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha saw it and shouted, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel is the is and his horses. Elisha never saw Elijah again. Elijah grabbed on his own clothes and tore them into two to show his sadness. They did that back in the biblical days. They would tear their clothes to express their sadness. Today, we just cry. <laughs> this is what they did. Verse 13, Elijah's coat had fallen on to the ground. So Elijah picked it up. He went back and stood at the edge of the Jordan River. He hit the water and said, where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? Just as Elisha hit the water, the water separated to the right and to the left. Then Elisha crossed the river. Looks like he got that portion. Verse 15. When the group of prophets at Jericho saw Elisha, they said, Elijah's spirit is now on Elisha. They came to meet Elisha. They bowed very low to the ground before him. They said, look, we have 50 good men. Please let them go back and look for your master. Maybe the Lord's spirit has taken Elijah up and dropped him on some mountain or in some valley. Oh, okay. But Elisha answered, no, don't send men to look for Elijah. Verse 17, the group of prophets begged Elisha until he was embarrassed then Elisha said send the men to look for Elijah the group of prophets sent the 50 men to look for Elijah they looked three days but they could not find him so the men went to Jericho where Elisha was staying and told him Elisha said to them I told you not to go now I love this story because I, what trips me out about this is Elijah knew he was going to go up to heaven. He was one that did not die. Him and one other person in the Bible did not actually see death. He was taken up. But he was taken up in a tornado. Now, a whirlwind is a tornado. The man was taken up in a tornado, y'all. So you would have thought. I could understand the prophets because then they they thinking, you know, okay, well, maybe 
he fell down on top of him. He was thrown on top of a mountain. Now, why would God go through all of that to throw you on a mountain? I don't know. But but I could see the logic in their thinking. But what really gets me, though, is, you know, you you not only know that you're going to go be with the Lord, you're not going to see death. You're going to go be with the Lord. You know, the exact day, pretty much the exact time. But you also know how you're going to go up in a tornado. Now, in the eye of the tornado is peace. That's inside the tornado. That's the middle of the tornado. It's peace. All of the chaos is going on around the tornado. But why choose this way of ascending into heaven? I don't know. It's so, it's so, I don't even know the word for it. But the interesting thing about this is that there was not a storm system. There was not a supercell. Because if it was, there would have been damage. Like when, when the chariots that separated them, they would have been hurt. It would have, it would, it, it, it should have said something about them being hurt, right? They, they got hurt or they got thrown and tossed about, but it didn't say that. It didn't say the clouds got dark. It didn't say that somebody was blowing a siren or something to announce that something was about to happen, you know, giving out a warning. There was none of that. This was the ultimate tornado that came down on probably a perfect sunny day. And the tornado was anointed because it didn't hurt anyone else. There was no storm system. There was no supercell attached to this whirlwind. This whirlwind was ordained by God for one person. And that was for Elijah. And as Elijah went up, the mantle was then passed to Elisha. What a wonderful thing. Sometimes we experience these storms in our life, but they really not a storm because it's something that we are expecting and we're expecting from God. And it leaves us with a mantle to pass on to the next person. And I know what I just said probably makes no sense right now, but it's something that you have to take the time to really process and think about. So you may have to rewind that for a few times so you can really, really get it in your spirit. Sometimes God will cause things to change and everything around you is being affected. Everything around you seems like chaos, but on the inside, there is a peace because you know that you are leaving a legacy for the next person and you are going to see God. Now, you're not going to see death, though. But in the situation, you're going to see the Lord and it's going to cause you to leave a spiritual legacy of power for the person that you are mentoring, for the person that you're working with, for your children, for your students, whomever, your patients, your clients. It's just so interesting. And you don't need a supercell because you don't need something to come that's going to destroy everything around you. You need something that's going to come and cause peace around you or within you. Peace within you. So really, really hope I'm done 
because I've talked a lot today, but I really, really hope that you take something from this. I hope that you can apply something from this story to your life. And I talked very heavily about the natural tornado that could be going on in your life and what happened during World War, or not the World War, but the war in Washington. And what's really interesting about that is I don't know how many that Washington gets many tornadoes, but it happened that day. And maybe it was an ordained reason to happen. Maybe the Lord was like, this is a mess. There is no more fighting this day. No more fighting this day. And then now spiritually things are going on around you, but God is giving you a peace on the inside so that you can pass along that legacy to the next person that you're supposed to pass it to. It's like a baton. You pass it on to the next person. But it's not a supercell because if it was a supercell, it would cause all violent chaos in your life. And that's not what God is trying to do here. He's trying to let you see him. He's trying to give you an opportunity to reveal himself to you, right? He's not trying to cause destruction. So things around you, even though they may seem like they're going out, you know, crazy, but they're not really going on where they're, you know, where it's just being destructive to everything around you. Because that mantle that Elisha got, he was able to part a sea, part water. The only other person that did that was Moses. So there it is. It's that mantle. So whatever mantle you have, pass it on. Don't keep it for yourself. Don't sit in your living room and not do anything. Find somebody. Okay, you didn't have children. Maybe you couldn't have children. But that doesn't mean that you can't have children. Adopt children. Maybe not going through the paperwork and the logistics of adopting, but adopting those people around you that really need that mother or that father figure that you can place that mantle into. There's plenty of people that I've kind of come across this week. One in particular, I can't remember the guy's name, but he passed away. But the mantle that he passed on to his, um, the person he was mentoring did even greater works than he did. Find somebody to mentor, someone to educate, someone to minister to, and pass along that mantle. Thank you so much for listening to Encouragement from Christmas Backyard. I cannot wait to come back for the next podcast talking about elements or something in my backyard. God bless you. Hi, this is Kristen, and thank you so much for listening to Encouragement from Kristen's Backyard. You know, the Bible says in John 3:16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. You know, maybe after listening to the podcast, if you are not saved, you're thinking, I would love to give my life to Christ. If so, all you have to do is confess your sins to him, ask him to forgive you, and he will. And then say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I accept you as my personal Lord and Savior. And you know what? It is done. You are saved. If you enjoy listening to the podcast and want to follow me on social media, I am at three different places on Instagram. You can follow me at KB Simple Life, Encouragement from Kristen, or my business page, Traveling Psychology Girl. 
thank you so much for listening and supporting what I'm doing here. God bless you. God bless you. And I will be with you next time.